podcast world what's going on chad belding i'm here with you this life ain't for everybody thank you all so much for the constant growth all the messaging all of the ratings all the reviews all the good stuff that comes with this podcast format and it's a pretty cool time to have a podcast app right now with all this downtime we have we get to hear some people talk get to hear them talk over events that we have some interest for a lot of interest some interest today i have a good buddy of mine out of the state of minnesota i'm talking to him all the way across the country he is the vice president vice vice president i was going to say vice principal because you do look like a vice principal but vice president of programming for the outdoor sportsman's group which is the outdoor channel the sportsman's channel the world fishing network uh you name all of your top producers there on one of the networks that mitch petrie helps run and organize on a daily basis today we're going to get into a little bit of that but also going to talk about his brand new podcast format that he launched about i don't know seven eight ten months ago it's called country outdoors mitch how are you doing great chad great to be back great to see you after a little bit of technical difficulty yeah why 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 you i mean you you and the nerds in this office and the nerds in your office should have this stuff handled it's i've worked in a home office for the last like four or five years so it is kind of disappointing that we had a technology breakdown but uh, we have overcome we're just going to not run the video i think my video was bogging things down so uh but it, it is an interesting time because we're recording this in the middle of the COVID 19 deal and i, I think that people um have become more patient with a lot of things because if you're not going to be more patient now you're going to drive yourself nuts if we're locked in for a couple of months as it could be um so being patient with the technology i'm glad it's finally sorted out but uh, happy to join you again yeah i'm happy to have you talk to me a little bit more about patience um it's a really good quality often very difficult for a guy like me probably a guy like you to adhere to I was, I was talking on a podcast earlier today about how this has taught me a lot about how grateful we are, how we could take some things in our life for granted. I mean, just a quick run to the store, you know, and seeing a neighbor right. and being able to go up and high five them or knuckle bump them. You can't even, you can't do that right now. Or going to a concert or a theater or a, a local pub at five o'clock when you get out of the office to have a beer with your buddies, the things that we get to do in this country, then you mix that with hunting in the outdoors and what you and I love to do. I mean, there's states turning away turkey hunters and bear hunters right now and revoking licenses and, and just, you know, to, to, you know, to try to get this thing curved down a little bit. And the, the patience is another part of that to where you, you can't get, you're not going anywhere right now. So this is a great time to learn the attribute and, 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 and to be more patient. Yeah. I, in a strange way, uh, when this kind of all settled in and, you know, and, and every day you'd wake up and it became clearer and clearer, the, the seriousness of this. And you, I think once it was finally accepted, um, I had a strange sense of calm. Yeah, calm on one hand, and then you know it's a fine line between calm and anxiety uh, about the reality. You know, my wife and I both have parents in their 80s who all you know we have health concerns about them. We have kids. You know, we have a son who's going to the University of North Dakota who's not with us. He's holding up there. He's off campus because they've shut down the school. But we have I've got two boys at home. So, you know, you mentioned the podcast, you mentioned my job I and mean, my day job is a full time job and and is generally pretty intense, you know, uh, for more than uh, eight hours a day. Right. And then throw on the podcast as a bit of a hobby. And, uh, you know, 
we were running at a pretty feverish pace here for the last year. And now, you know, things have kind of settled down. We're in a bit of a holding pattern in most of our businesses. And, you know, everyone's waiting to hear how the market responds. Thankfully, there's a lot more people watching TV uh, because of this. They have more time. I mean, the, uh, live sports tend to be a big competitor of outdoor programming. There's no live sports on. I mean, there's people watching, you know, classic games from in baseball and hockey and that. And it's like, it's a, it's a new normal. So, um, you know, as far as patience goes, um, yeah, I, I think uh, we are learning how to, you know, be patient and to focus on kind of the things that really, really matter. And, um, and also I think we're working on just improving the basic blocking and tackling in all of our businesses, which sometimes, you know, you, you, you lose track and, and you don't focus on the detail because you're trying to move and grow and do everything that you can. So it's, um, um, it's an interesting time now. It's going to be interesting as we come out of this. And it will be, I think, very interesting a year from now to look back and understand how this has impacted society. Do you want to go on record right now or have a guess of the outcome or not the details of an outcome, but the ending of this, the quarantine. I heard yesterday that, well, I had a friend coming out here this week from Minnesota and they're on a lockdown there. They don't want you traveling or anything. We were supposed to be in California right now, turkey hunting and filming some episodes. They don't want us going to California, crossing state lines. They want to stay at home. And I'm, I want to listen to our leadership I want to adhere to what these scientists and medical doctors and, you know, President Trump and his his crew there are saying, I don't want to go against it. How what's your guess that we're going to be locked up like this? Well, mine's not a guess. It's actually based on fact, because I read this on Facebook. Oh, okay, good. That's a joke, actually. I know all the all the social media experts that come out. My my speculation is. Um, based on some things I just kind of interpreted from, you know, I stopped watching the daily updates just because it's, it's just too much, you know, there's too much information. There's a lot of misinformation. I will, I will look for information every day, but um, you know, there are people that have been complaining about the absolute shutdown and shut in. And, uh, you know, because guys like you and me who are, you know, I'm in my mid thirties, you're in your mid to late fifties. Um, we're pretty healthy and we, we're not at risk, but our, my parents are. And I, I was joking because I'm a lot older. Well, than I, you. I know. I trust me. I know all the inside jokes. I, right. I, I think your, your listeners, your listeners are, I'll stop. I think on this quarantine jokes. is really making you goofy. Yeah. No, I think that when it, when we come out of it, I think they, it will probably be some sort of rolling release. Like, you know, my parents should not leave their quarantine. My wife's parents should not leave their quarantine anytime soon because they're high risk and that's what's being impacted the most. Uh, you know, me and my kids, I think that we should maintain the social distancing. We should be very careful. Uh, I just realized today you, you think of how careful, like I'm being with my family, but how we're irresponsible we've been in the past where, you know, I've gone to work when I've had a cold or, you know, and, and probably spread the germs. It's, it's incredible how fast things can spread. So I think that uh, at some point the economic engine is going to have to start grinding again. People are going to be going stir crazy. People are going to be having more stress 
stress and anxiety around the shutdown than they are at risk of from the shutdown. So I think you'll see it. You know, my son's in Grand Forks, North Dakota. There's th- been three deaths, and you know, all of them are people over eighty. Um, my son's 20 years old and healthy. Um, I think that he needs to be safe. He needs to wash his hands. He needs to, to, to quarantine, you know, self quarantine or self isolate, uh, if he's ill. But the reality is he can probably move around society there and could be working and doing things. So I think that's what will happen is it will be a slow roller of a start and, um, and hopefully we'll restart this, um, the, uh, restart the, the economy. Uh, because it's in a pretty uh, critical phase. I mean, I look, so are you saying May first? What 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 date are you giving me? Yeah, I think that you know, Minnesota officially launched a two week shutdown, and we're one week into it right now. And I think now it's probably been extended through the end of April. Um, seems like that's a logical time frame where people will uh, kind of keep their eye on the prize. There, end of April seems to be a nationwide number. I think after that there's going to have to be some return at some level for some people to, um, you know, to a new normal. I don't think we're going back in 30 days to normal, but I think by mid summer, uh, you know, the idea is people, you know, things will be normal, normal ish. Do you, do you feel that we will, be able to go back. I, you say the new normal, but what keeps going through my mind, Mitch, is like how much how how much timidness will be out there when it does when they say, okay, we're it's done. Are are we going to be a society and a community that's going to be gung ho to go to Coachella and a big music concert and be around twenty thousand people shoulder to shoulder? Right away. I mean, I know that you said that people like your parents in their 80s have to stay quarantined longer and let it really subside. But what about us? Are you going to are we going to jump right back into the norm of, of how we were, you know, three months ago? I think we'll get close to it pretty quick in, in some communities in you know, and in some circles. Uh, I think there will be a new I think there's a new appreciation for uh, being responsible, not just for yourself, but for the people that you may come in contact with, like if you have a cold, if you're not healthy, if you have a fever or had one in 24 hours, uh, my guess is that, you know, those folks will be more conscious, more mindful and more respectful of others. Whereas, you know, in the, the grind that we've all been involved with for decades now in building businesses and growing and working and making money, you know, people were more like, hey, you know what, you know, I don't feel well. I have a cold or I have the flu, but I've got to go to work. I, I certainly think that that's going to change that uh, employers and customers and, imp- and employees will be probably and, and rightfully more aggressive in making sure people don't do that um, to minimize the risk of spread of any type of flu or infection. Well, let's hope it gets back to normal because... I love where we live. And I mean, this is nice. The downtime's nice. I'm accepting it. It's, um, I'm learning a lot about a lot of things. 
there's so much you can do when you're on your own and you don't feel like you need to be hustling and bustling, not being able to get in your truck and go to the gym for two hours has taught me different ways to take care of my body, my mind, my nutrition, my cooking, my recipes, organization in the house, things that you say you're going to get to, but you don't, but now you're finding time and you're begging for something to do. So now you're able to put some effort and some passion into little tiny projects, whether it's folding, you know, make organizing a closet or your garage or whatever. It's allowing me to, to do the things that you want to do. But when you're on the go all the time and you're always putting something in in a chronological order of importance, you know, sometimes you, you let the little things slide and this is allowing me to get back to those little things because the people that you want to be doing the bigger things with are in the same boat and everybody's taking care of themselves and their family right now. And everybody's hunkered down. And, um, you know, there are some, some industries that are still going construction and farming and things like that, that are essential. And, but for the most part, it's a ghost town in a lot of areas. Can you imagine Nashville, Tennessee right now and being on Broadway and not one person in one of those bars, not one band on one of those stages, not one beer setting on one of those bars, not one it, bit of barbecue. I mean, can you imagine? It blew my mind early when I heard, you know, Las Vegas, they closed hotels. The win was closed. Still is, isn't it? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it still is. Yeah, they all are. Yeah, that's uh, all of our casinos here are shut down. Yeah. You know, our family, friends, the Coronos bought Caesars this year, biggest casino owners in the country. And their El Dorado here, the Silver Legacy, the Circus Circus, the ones at Tahoe, all across the country, their properties are shut down. Can you imagine that stress? That much money into something and not being able to have any revenue streams in it? Right. And how do those restaurants, you know, some restaurants that are out there are, are they're losing their, their dine-in customers, right? But they're still doing curbside pickup. Some are doing right, delivery yeah. through these apps and stuff. How do these casino restaurants, they can't do that. No, you can't even done. enter they're, the yeah, casino. Right. Their employees are laid off and they're, you know, they're just going to take a big hit. Now it'll be interesting to see, you know, you know, the, was it two or three trillion dollar economic package to see how those folks can can weather the storm? But you know, I think I think businesses and individuals will be recovering from this for like the next five years, and that's ho- you know, and hopefully there's not another issue, there's not another downturn, there's not another recession beyond this. The the hope though is the account the economy. And the fundamentals of our economy were good going into this. So hopefully the recovery from this will be swift. And, and I, I do like the American spirit, you know, the spirit of the American people. Um, you know, people are down and people are out right now. But when it does come back, you know, it's going to come roaring back. People are going to be very emotional. They're going to be pent up. My wife and I just had a conversation today. We have cleaners come into our house once a month and, you know, they just help, uh, you know, they, they go and do kind of a bit of a deep clean where we clean week to week and they're supposed to come on Monday. And my wife's like, I'm going to call her, you know, and they're not coming. I'm going to say, you know, my wife, it's her idea was we're going to pay them to come on, you know, for Monday they don't have to come on Monday. And then when we're out of this, we're going to have them come twice a month. And that's because, you know, that, you know, we've been with this group for a long time. And it's like, it's a young couple that comes in who, you know, we have a lot of respect for and we, you know, they're not cleaning anything right now. And, uh, you know, fortunately I'm still able to work through this process. So we're okay. Um, you know, they're not. So, 
Uh, that's the American spirit, though, is I think you will see people, and you do see it now, people lifting each other up. There's going to be some that weather the storm. There's going to be many that were already teetering before this thing hit. And, uh, you know, they're going, to be, they're going to be in trouble. But, you know, it, you break it down, people are going to be focused on what's truly important. And, you know, guess what? At the end of the day, you know, having, uh, you know, two or three vehicles or a bigger house, things like that, weren't important during the middle of this, um, this storm that we're in. And I didn't know if I could say the S word, but that's what I was thinking of. You can say shit. Okay. It is um, a shit storm. The, uh, the cleaning deal. They're not, you don't know where else they've been. You trust them. Is it smart to have a cleaning company in your residence with the virus department? Now you're saying that you're not having them in there right now, but you're still paying them, which is honorable and very awesome. Um, and my, and 100% my wife's idea, by the way, give credit where credit is due. Well, of course she's awesome. Um, but what, a, what about the people that are, are, do you think that there are people that are having this done where people are coming into their house and they're allowing that? Or do you think all, everything is just shut down a hundred percent to where people are taking care of their own house and they're doing the exact same thing you are hopefully still paying them. But right. if not, it, it, you know, keeping them updated. I think, you know, I don't know what, I haven't seen anything in, as far as statistics on that. My gut reaction is that compliance for the for the distancing and that is pretty high you know i live in minnesota we're pretty compliant population right so my guess is upwards of 90 percent. so absolutely there are going to be others who just there are people that are denying it or don't care or aren't at risk or just but uh you know most of the people i know and from what i've seen you know there aren't any big public gatherings there's you know there's it seems to be, uh, for the most part, I would imagine those folks are shut down. God, just what about our industry? Let's let's just touch on that real quick. Let's where, where your where's your head at? Gun sales: two point five million guns sold in the month of March, highest on recorded history in the country. Uh, ammo sales: ammo suppliers are busting their ass to try to get inventory built for retailers and for online sales the hunting community is, is, is taken aback right now because mm -hmm. some States are shutting it down. Some, you know, people aren't traveling as much. Is our industry going to be struck by this? Now the guns and ammo and the shooting and stuff might not be, but what about the camouflage companies and the boat companies and the decoy companies and the duck call companies or the bow companies, you know, what, something that people yeah. might not be buying right now. I think you almost have to take them. We could discuss each one of those markets individually, you know, because, and that's how we're dealing with it as a company is I'm having conversations with individual producers on what they're experiencing now, as are my guys, I've got a team, small team that works for me. And we're just essentially in communication with the producers just, but we don't even know what we're fixing yet. Because as you know, this business, a lot of the content is produced six to 12 months in advance. So we've had a handful of cases where, you know, we had a producer in Canada, had talent stuck in the US, they weren't going to be able to finish some content. So like they're postponing episodes, we have uh, ultimate match fishing, which is a series where their plan was to record the season, the week of May 1st. And they've had to cancel that. And so they're going to postpone the season for this year on the industry side. I think on the particularly, you know, this is 
for the most part, speculation on my part. I've read a little bit about it, but, um, you know, businesses in general, I think regardless of the industry, uh, just like when you're forecasting revenue in your business, you don't want to be off either way too much because, you know, if you, if you don't plan properly for the volume of sales that you have, you won't be able to deliver the product that you need to make the money. You know, so if you're sandbagging on your forecast or, you know, you're too high, you're too low, it hurts your business. So I think that despite the huge number of sales in firearms and in ammo, I think it, it, it's outside of that kind of that we talk about flattening the curve of that, that bell curve where those companies are positioned to take full advantage of it. I know they have huge backlogs in many cases of, uh, you know, orders on specific firearms that they can't get in. So those companies aren't, they're not, they're not increasing their marketing or advertising. Now they're struggling and just working to deliver orders to dealers and so uh, while it certainly is good and I think the, um, the revenue will be good long term on the firearm side, um, you know, it's not like they're not fat, dumb and happy right now. There's a lot of stress and anxiety about delivering product to a point of sale and, uh, you know, and getting getting those getting that product done. They're also then depleting their supply chains. There's a, just a huge disruption in the whole economy, because think about it, you know, you've been in business if you're running a business and, and your model is just in time delivery of materials to make product or um, to get it to retail to sell, now all of a sudden that whole thing has changed where you have to actually change that supply chain because now you're going to be forced to carry more inventory because the supply is questionable. And uh, it's, it's a completely different mindset. So I think there are huge challenges for business. My hope is that the programs that the government has put in place will help the manufacturers stabilize and normalize their business and adjust their manufacturing to this new normal and that it trickles down to our producers because otherwise, you know, either the, either the support's going to trickle to our producers or not. But most of our producers are small business owners and the, pla- the packages that are being offered by the federal government, they may not qualify for because they might not have you know, five people on payroll, or, you know, they might not even have a payroll. If it's, you know, if it's a, if it's a small operation producing a series, they're doing other jobs on the side or something. So, you know, I, I think it's a, uh, it's a challenge. You mentioned the camouflage companies, you know, they're going to be beholden to the apparel companies who may or may not be, you know, buying materials and making new product, um, it's, uh, you know, we understand that a lot of those are shut down right now, and I know they're, they're having great difficulty. So I think everything right now is on pause. I think we'll probably take at least 30 days to see how things start to sort out, what goes back to normal. I live in Minneapolis, Polaris, the uh, off-road company is just in my backyard here. And, you know, they shut down all their operations. And I just read today that, uh, you know, they're, uh, they've started up some operations again in some areas to fulfill some demand. They have uh, military contracts that are deemed essential. The CEO has uh, 
said that he will not take his salary for the rest of the year. The executive teams have committed to a uh, 20% pay cut across the board. So, I mean, it, it's again, you're starting to already see some of that where people are going to be doing, you know, going above and beyond, I think, to help. Uh, help themselves, to help their businesses, to help their communities. So, again, I, I truly you know, hope and pray that there is a lot of positive that comes out of this. Um, but right now, you know, like I said, we talk about being patient, being calm, um, taking a deep breath and you know, taking care of yourself, taking care of your, your mind and your body and your family. Uh, I think you know, we're kind of down to the bare basics now. You, know, you just got to, everything else is slowing down and shutting down. Yeah, it. I agree with you 100%. I see it being a not a real slow roll. I think people are going to be, you know, they're going to be fired up. Like you said, we're going to come out of the shoots running, but expectations have to be realistic. You know what I mean? I think that's what you're kind of sure. saying is that that you, you might go back to work, but it might not be for the same pay. You might not have the same amount of customers when you go back because it is going to affect some people. And um, hopefully we can there's just so much fright that has been put into everybody through the media, which, you know, whether it's rightfully so or not, but do you support your local restaurants right now, Mitch, with, with takeout orders and dine in, or do you think that there could be something that happens with how much fright has been put into the American public with this virus that, that the workers could sneeze on the food or their hair, they might not have the right hair nets or face masks or gloves on. I mean, I know that the employers and the restaurant owners are going to do everything they can to protect it, but there's still that underlying fright, right? Right. I think, you know, the way we're choosing to support our friends and like literally our, these are our friends, just like you and your community, you, you have, you know your restaurant owners, right? You go there, and they're they're parts of, they're a big part of our community, and so we've chosen to buy some gift cards and do that um, over, um, you know, necessarily you know, ordering food. We're we're really minimizing going out. Like we're we're not running out just to do curbside pickup for food right now. We're we are literally going out for any we haven't even had a medical appointment. I guess I went to the chiropractor this week. Okay, that's the closest thing. But you know, getting um getting groceries is really the only thing and then and then delivering groceries to my in laws. So for the most part, we're not doing a lot of uh uh you know, not delivering food. You know, there are issues, not just on there's always issues on food safety and food preparation and you hope that they're following those guidelines. But there's also just, you know, on, on, um, just on the packaging and things like that. Like we could do a, you know, a kid wants to have Chipotle delivered. And it's like, no, you know what? We're just going to cook at home and uh, make our own food. So, um, you know, which leads to another thing that you mentioned is like we are also having fun. Uh, we've had more family meals, I think, in the last two weeks than we probably did in the, you know, the leading 10 months to, to this thing. So it's a lot of family time, a lot of cooking, a lot of uh, experimental cooking. You know, guys like us generally have a lot of meat in our freezers to experiment with, which is a lot of fun. Um, my grill, unfortunately, I've had a very untimely death recently, so I'm in the market for a new one. I'm going to fix that and uh, and hopefully uh, get grilling some more as well. You do need to get that fixed. Yeah. You do. I do. I'm pretty creative, though, without it. I uh, I just did a sous vide. Um, a, it was a nine-pound center-cut pork tenderloin, and I, I put it in a 50-liter cooler, 
and I put my little sous vide machine in there and I actually cooked it. Uh, is this the same thing that you said? I'm not interrupting, but is this the yeah. same thing you said you were sending me? Cause yeah. maybe, maybe FedEx was shut be, down a year yeah. ago. Yeah. It's, they might've lost that. Um, wow. I'll do that. I will send it to you. No, but it was, uh, 24 hours at 165 degrees. It comes out of the bag. They don't look super appealing because it's, you know, it's, it's not boiled, but it's just, but that meat was, was, was very, very tender. So it was a, the week, you know, a few days before we had done, um, we had done some pork butts and just a dry rub pork butts. And I actually did it in a slow cooker, um, with heat, not with, uh, not with the water. And it came out, it tasted really good, but it, you know, pork butt can get super greasy and my wife wasn't into that. So I did the same thing with the uh, pork tenderloin and was able to do like a pulled pork tenderloin, super lean. Uh, I, I took it out of the, out of the uh, bag from the water, put a dry rub on it and actually finished it in my broiler cause my grill is dead. So, um, so it had a nice little finish and was able to pull it. And, you know, we put a bunch of that in the freezer because we'll just, we'll live off, live off that for quite a while. If you had a Traeger, would you be able with your, your, um, TV background and your production background and editing, would you be able to put together some cool recipe videos? I, technically I could do it. Um, no, I I'm mean, about as, I'm as, I'm as, I'm as, I'm, a, I'm about as good a cook as I am a hunter. Which is a little tiny bit below average, but <laughs> if, <laughs> if this is the case that they, they, you could still be okay. Here's the deal. No, I, I, I'm actually, I was kind of joking about that, but kind of serious when I look at, so I'm a, I'm a hardcore angler, right? I'm a, I'm a pretty hardcore hunter. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm above average when it terms, when, in, in terms of how often and what I hunt and my passion for hunting. Um, and I'm the same way kind of cooking. I really, I enjoy doing it, but I don't, I'm not like that great at it. I'm, I'm pretty good, but I'm not like tech. Like when I watch what you and your friends do, I mean, they're, they're insane in terms of the quality and the creativity and I'm not quite there yet. And why um, is, why is that? Did you not grow up in a, was it because of the way, is this a mentoring deal? Like hunting is, is cooking the same way? Cause I feel that I get it a lot through watching my dad and mom when I was, even though it wasn't like a big Emerald production, but it seems like today, like the, the, the inspiration for cooking with iron chef and the food network and Rachel Ray and Martha Stewart or whoever it is, diners, drive-ins and dives or whatever it's called, you know, it seems like it's there, but what, what holds a guy back like you that is, is, is successful in life. You have a lot of friends, you're a good networker. What holds a guy back from getting his flair on in the kitchen like that? It's just capacity. I mean, it's, I'm 50 years old. I've got three kids and a wife and, you know, I've, I've got a day job and I just for fun, we do a podcast. And so, um, it was, it's just a matter of prioritization. In fact, when I, when my grill died, I, you know, I sent you a video cause I was looking at some, just in passing, looking at some, some grills and I'm like, you know what, for 250 bucks, you can get a crappy grill, but it, you know, it, it lights, it's gas, it lights, it turns on and I can cook burgers and do whatever. And I'm thinking, you know what, I might do that because that's about the capacity I have right now to cook. Now, fortunately, um, you know, saner minds have prevailed 
and I'm now realizing that uh, I probably have more capacity now to scratch that itch. But yeah, I, I didn't grow up in a family. We, we ate fine. We ate out quite a bit. I've lived overseas, so I've eaten some pretty amazing food around the world. Um, I think we're probably ready to, to, to take it up a notch and, and, and focus on, you know, because I enjoy that process. It's just not... Um, Does your wife like cook? I, yeah, yeah. Is she good? She does, but yeah, she's all right. But again, she's what she's like me. She's Is she got, in there? Uh, no, my kid just walked by, but uh, she's not, uh, you know, she's as busy as I am. She works and she's got kids. We've got the same kids, in fact. And so, Are you sure? Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty sure. <laughs> are you sure? Don't tell her well, I said all, that. They all look like her for sure. But well, yeah, how lucky are they? Yeah, thank God they all look like her. So no, why... It's, it's, what what is let's finish that recipe now so you 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 got to the end of it and how did it end up when you took it from the sous vide to the the where'd you put it in the broiler i just put it in a broiler 500 degrees and just seared it like you would on your traeger right um and i would tell you that it was and then it, it actually you know it tread just like it should have just like you wanted for a pulled pork uh but it just didn't have the fat that my pork butt did from the previous week which makes sense. Yeah. So it was, it was really good. I, I I'll tell I you a show it. to watch. I'll tell you a show to watch to get your inspiration. Do you, you have Netflix? I assume. Uh, I, you know what I signed up, I re-signed up for a free trial just to binge watch the tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> what well, a, we'll talk about the tiger King, but before we talk about Joe exotic, um, God, did you watch it? I do. It was like a train ride. I How sad is it that all he wanted in life was to be what? Famous. He, he was a singer. Fan, right, he was an right. actor. All he wanted to be famous. The guy goes to, you know what? We'll talk. Well, I don't want to give it out of the bag if people haven't seen right. it. But And then he gets famous. You can't go a day without David Spade is doing all these comedians. He's in every, he'd be, he'd have the number one reality show in America right now. Right. Exactly. And now it's, he can, uh, he can never flourish in it because greed got him because he chased that celebrity and that money. Really, I yeah. mean, according to the documentary, but there's a show on Netflix that John Favreau, have you, you know, John Favreau, the actor? Yeah. He, did you ever see the movie he did, Chef? No. Okay, go watch the movie Chef. First of all, it's about an ex- ex- executive chef in a five star. I think it's a French restaurant, right? And he all gets right. he gets an argument with his boss and gets really hurt and pissed off and quits and loses his inspiration for cooking. But he goes, he finds it again in Miami and he gets into the cooking truck and he has a Cuban based cooking truck where he's making Cubano sandwiches and he falls in love with the Cuban girl and he blows it up in the. He doesn't blow the food truck up. He lights right. the world on fire with his his cooking flare, right? Okay. Well, he he's he's in Austin in a part of the movie and sees the barbecue. Well, anyway, now he has a show on Netflix called The Chef Show. And they go to L.A., Vegas, and a couple places in Austin and Atlanta and visit these restaurants, Wolfgang Puck and some some actors, some directors, um, Seth Rogen's in an episode. But it, he's, he has the chef that, that taught him is was trained in French cuisine, and he's an Asian guy, but he's, he's his co-host of this show, and you ought to see the recipes they do on this. I watched two episodes last night, and I'm yeah. like, I'm like, I can do that. I'm, I, as soon as I watched it, I got the vision in my head and I'm like, boom, 
I went in this morning. I woke up early this morning, 5 a.m., and I had everything already lined out in my head. I got it out, and I freaking said, I'm doing what they did last night, and I did it. And I was like, I don't know if John or his co-host would put the fork in their mouth and go, mm, because they're always, like, telling each other how good their food is. I don't know right. if they tell. It was unbelievable. And I just got this inspiration from watching them going, I can do that with this meat and I can do that with this meat and vegetables. And so anyway, watch it, just watch a couple episodes. It's called the chef show and just see like it hit, you ought to see his passion for cooking and what it's done. But this lion King or lion King, the tiger King, I'm talking like you, how do we not know about this when it's going on in America before yeah, this I, documentary? Same deal. So about a month ago, I heard about a different documentary. I'll go back to the, to the this kind of sets the stage for my Tiger King experience. But there's a documentary on HBO called McMillions. Have you heard of that? No, I assume it's about McDonald's, though. Yeah, but it's the McDonald's Monopoly, Monopoly game. Did you know 17 years ago that there was a huge FBI operation and they took down a mob organization that was rigging? The Monopoly game? No. So you had like zero chance of winning. You you probably still have Monopoly uh, playing game pieces. Board game, yeah. In your in your truck in the in the uh, the, the the cup holder of your truck, right? So um, it's a six part series called McMillions on HBO, and they rolled it out one week at a time. And and I was into that. Like I would, I actually appointment watched that because it was one of the cooler things I had seen and they got really lucky, you know, cause you and I are TV guys. So, you know, you know, when you've got a good character and you got good story and there's twists and plot, you know, plot twists and turns. It was really, really well done. I kept telling people about it cause it was like one of the coolest things I had seen. Okay. So I had already, my mind is already now into these uh, documentaries. So then I, I start seeing things on social media, references to the tiger King. And I'm like, okay. So I really didn't even know what I was getting into. Um, so I, I actually signed up specifically, um, uh, signed, re-signed up for Netflix because our, our subscription had lapsed and um, watched the first episode. And I was like, all right. I was kind of, you know, when I watched the first one, I was, a, I was about 98% committed to keep going. I watched the second one and... Um, and I think the way they've produced it, with like I said, without giving it away for the few, the very few people in your listening audience who haven't seen it, um, that was rude. Tech, that was really tech, rude. Oh, no, very few people that have seen. I thought you were okay. I see it now. No, I think most people have probably seen it, right? But I don't want to ruin it for people who haven't. I thought but, you were um, saying my audience was really small. Oh no, 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 I love your audience. Your audience is my audience. I hope. I mean, in fact, the reason I'm here is to to take more of your audience. But we'll talk about that later. Um, no, I just thought it was so cool and the way it was done, the twists and turns and the and, and it blew my mind. And like you said, I was like, how how did I never hear about this Tiger King in the you know in the news going into this? Because it was such a such a bizarre story. So uh, it is. It's crazy to. I mean, I I can't even get into all of the 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 antics that go on in this from arms being bitten off and and. Oh, and people, spectators being 
eaten, I mean, you know, attacked. And a and, guy and, in and South Carolina with a harem, essentially. The harem the, and the wives yeah, and the, the girls. The, and, and then the lady. a couple of guys. The lady in Florida or wherever that Joe Exotic's trying to shut down. And just like, I watched it and I'm just looking at people like, she's crazy. She killed her husband. I'm like, at least the way they painted it in the documentary, I'm like, she killed her husband right. for sure. That's but what it, yeah. I don't, the, but the way they, you look at the way they rolled it out. And like, you know, so they're introducing the characters and yeah, you know, Joe Exotic, he's crazy, but he's, he's a character. And, and then, yeah, the woman who kills her husband. And then they, and I think in around in episode, the third episode, that's when they kind of turned on her and, uh, in like dug into the weirdness around her. Right. Um, and I just thought it was just technically extremely well done. I thought at the very end without giving away the end, it just started to, um, it's like they didn't know how to finish it at the end. Yeah, I like agree from with the, that. From the guy, from the guy on the jet ski. Uh, I mean, obviously they teased that there's more to come, or there's you know, yeah. going to be other other arrests and that. But it's like they go to this long shot of the that weird guy, the on Miami, the, jet ski. Vi- the Miami Vice jet ski scene. Yeah, it was like, and that was just like, it just it just was almost out of. I I heard the same. I heard the same review from several people before I watched it was like, you can stop watching it after episode three and you won't miss a thing kind of deal. And it was like that. Like you were really into it. There was some things that I'm glad I saw on the end of it, but the, the, the last parts, the last episodes didn't compare to the first three, but yeah, there was so many characters in there. And I, and, and some of these guys are now being invited in like David Spade had a couple of them on some of the guy, the guy with the fake legs you know and and yeah. uh, he had joe exotic's husband on there the guy that never wore his shirt and yeah. oh, and, yeah. and then that guy did you see waddell posted or whatever that he was wearing a bone collector hat no but i actually i did see him wearing um a bunch of real tree swag and so i took a screenshot of it and sent it to some of our mutual friends at real tree and and asked if this was their new pro staff ambassador so i'll have to provide you with this photo <laughs> that you can see here what they uh, say yeah send that to me i want to send it to tyler oh yeah we're going to post that for your listeners to hear but no it's just a pretty good one he's got uh you know you you can't always pick your ambassadors but that's i don't think that's a bone collector hat but no there was another guy that i saw let me see i don't it was probably on a story i'm i'm not i'm not going to look it up right now but what about the documentary if you have you watched the one on netflix called making a murderer i haven't you know because what i was going to tell you before is until recently I mean, you know, my day job is television, right? And I watch a lot of television. I watch a lot of, you know, things that are on, you know, episodes and, and new content and always looking for content. So usually by the time that, you know, the evening comes around or the weekend and, and you know, we hunt and fish a ton. So I don't have a ton of time. Well, late at night, watching. just late at night when your wife goes into her room and you go into yours um, make, see, that was a good joke right there. That was yeah. a really good joke. <laughs> I, got it. I got it. I got it. Um, you want to know, make you time know to my... watch making a murder. And I promise you, if you watch the first episode of season one, there's only two seasons right? and I'm begging for a third. It's not even a season really. It's just a documentary broken up. Wasn't it out of Wisconsin? No, uh, Michigan, Michigan. Okay. What, what the gist uh, of it is this guy gets, uh, convicted of rape. Right? Are you listening mm-hmm. to me? Convicted yeah, yeah, of I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes on con- everything you're telling con- me to watch. Convicted of rape, 
18 years he spends in a, in a penitentiary. He, they find the DNA of the true rapist, and they, this guy's getting out of prison after spending 18 years after being wrongfully convicted. This sure. documentary crew, and I believe New York, is specializes in wrongful conviction stories. So they're going to Michigan to document this guy's release. So he go, he's getting out. They go, and they, they're at the prison. The gate's open. He comes out. They interview him, his family, his mom, his dad, his sisters. Everybody's joyous. He files a civil suit against the local police there that that investigated the the rape. Yeah. While this is going on, while this civil suit is being filed, I think it was for thirty million or maybe I don't remember the exact number. Don't quote me on that. This girl that is one of those salesmen that goes around for like a deals on wheels kind of newspaper. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she takes pictures of your car and then puts it in this little newspaper to sell it. Right. She gets murdered on this guy's. She gets murdered and it comes back to where the, the guy that just got out of prison is being accused of the murder. That documentary mm. crew happens to be there filming his release in the aftermath. Right. So they just say, screw it, keep the cameras rolling. And I, I don't know if that's a hundred percent. You'd have to fact search me on that, but that's, yeah. that's how I, that's how I investigated and got my, the, that gained knowledge of it. But yeah, he's, he's getting out on rape 18 years. And then all of a sudden he's right back in court on a, and being arrested for this murder in it. It's a crazy, crazy spin a tail. So <clears throat> I would highly recommend it. Um, all right. You will. I, 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 I told, now. I told Leith Loft and I was in Nashville and we got some Hattie's chicken. I said, we're watching to make a murder. We binge watched all 13 episodes in one day, 13 hours, name, of t- 13 hours of TV in one day. <laughs> you're such a name dropper to Leith Loft. No, Leith, I wanted Leith to, loves uh, when I say his name, I know I, it's such a good name to say, but I, we're going to go back to Leith cause I have questions for you on him too. But even though you're the one interviewing me, um, Here's the, here is the, I guess it's, it's really a blessing. I think you would agree that we, despite challenges in the business and challenges in the outdoor space, you know, it, it's a blessing that we're working in an industry that we're passionate about to the core. And I am passionate about the television side of it. I'm passionate about fishing. I'm passionate about hunting and conservation. And so I, I really enjoy it. So the funny thing is, and this is, this is no joke. When I have spare time to watch TV in my, in the evenings, you watch the foul life. I watched, I watched, yeah, I've, you know, I watched the foul life because I've, I, I joke about it every time I watch it right before I watch it, I text you and ask if there's anything good on TV tonight. Um, so yeah, but I, last night I watched whitetail freaks, right? You know, I, I am a fan. I'm a fan of the genre. So, um, so I will expand though. I will uh, start doing, you know, my wife actually uh, likes Shit's Creek. If you've seen that. Yeah, I've heard, I've, I've seen it on there. I just, I've gotten mixed reviews. I heard you got to get I, past the first couple episodes. I don't know. It's, it's funny. I just, I don't feel like I have to watch every single episode, but I will watch it with her when it's on. Um, the latest series she binge watched was Friday nights, Friday night lights, you know, and she doesn't watch hardly any TV. So she's enjoyed getting into a few series, but, uh, we'll tell her to watch uh, the foul life. Yeah. um, That's a good show. She's seen that show. So what about this podcast? What, how did this come up? Who, who, how, what, gave you the idea for Mitch Petrie to become a podcast host. And then 
Yeah. You have a co-host He's, named Mary, and you guys are called the Country Outdoors, and you specialize in hunting, fishing, conservation, outdoors with country musicians that li- have a lot of passion for the outdoor lifestyle like we do, but they also have a singing and songwriting career on the side, let's say, from being hunters or vice right. versa. But what, what gave you this idea? So um, you want the whole story? I guess we have time. It won't take that long. About... Five, six, seven years ago, I worked for um, a producer in um, Minneapolis named Ron Shera, uh, Ron Shera Productions, and I was actually the president of Ron Shera Productions, and Ron wanted to uh, sell his business, and we found a, a buyer, and the buyers came from the radio world, so I got to learn a fair amount about the radio world from because uh, I worked for him for a year and a half before I went out on my own. And, uh, and you've met Laura Shera. Uh, Laura is the, has been on Outdoor Channel. Uh, she was a host originally for a show called Destination Polaris. And she's now the host of Minnesota Bound on CARE 11. And Minnesota Bound was our flagship production. And uh, she was very much into country music. And I enjoyed country music. My wife got me really into country music, you know, in the last 10 years. And... Um, so I came up with this concept of a radio show called Country Outdoors. And the idea was to try to combine our outdoor world with the music world. And, and the format was going to be, you know, get an artist to come in, talk a little bit about their outdoor passion, talk about the music, play music, because this was going to be an hour-long radio type of show. And uh, so I had the whole thing kind of, you know, laid out. I had a bit of a, you know, a creative kind of one sheet on it. And what I learned in radio is to have a radio show, you have to have ratings. And to have ratings, you have to have a radio show. So it's kind of like a chicken and the egg thing. So if you're outside of the industry, uh, there's really no, there's, it's, it's hard to break in. In fact, I talked to one guy at the, at the top country station in Minneapolis and he said that, um, that's, he goes, first of all, the format for country music on radio is like zero talk. It's all music. They don't talk sports. They don't talk everything, particularly in the mornings. It's like, no, it's music, 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 a few little corny games, and then back to music. So he said, the format doesn't really work for us. And then he said, and even if it did, I've got my guy over here that we would just do it ourselves. So the, so the idea just kind of got shelved, and it got shelved for about three years. And then about... Uh, what month are we in now? We're in April. I would say probably uh, just over a year ago, uh, we had done some research at Outdoor Sportsman Group, and you know, and the research came back and it talked about the uh, you know the you know the podcast world and and how things were uh, moving and the direction that they were moving in. And so we were committed to doing some podcasts. And I said, you know, I have this concept on the shelf called Country Outdoors that I said I'd like to bring forward. And um, and that's really how it got kicked off. There's some other twists and turns and how we made it happen. But uh, my co-host, co-host, Mary, she was on a series called For Lover Likes, which is an outdoor channel series. And um, my very first podcast experience was on a podcast with, uh, you know, I, I had heard, um, I think Meat Eater may have started by then. Uh, I think it did. It had started. Joe Rogan obviously was doing his thing. I had heard of some other type of podcast, but it certainly wasn't as uh, 
popular as it is today. But I was on the, um, it was an archery podcast called, um, um, what is it called? You know what it's called? The um, Rock On? No, Rock the on? Uh, it was the bow hunter guy. So um, working class bow hunter. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I, I'm getting old. My brain's not as sharp as it used to be. Oh, I know. And really, but really enjoyed the conversation that I had with these guys. And we, you know, we had some far reaching subjects. They wanted, these guys were not super crazy about TV. So, you know, I wanted to be challenged and, um, and they challenged me. And so I was like, well, that was a really good experience. And then uh, my good friend, Chad Belding came into town. And uh, if you look back, the very first podcast that you ever had me on, um, you know, it was a pretty intense two hours going deep into the business and and your style of podcast is very unique. So, so I came out of that. Um, I have to put the timelines together because we had not committed to doing the podcast yet, but I'm pretty sure I came out of that and said, uh, let's move on this because this is a great format and we're going to have fun. And my goal was to promote hunting and conservation, uh, via these artists and, you know, and and just create some cool conversations. Uh, and in fact, I think, um, and I mentioned this in one of my early podcasts, you connected me almost a year ago to the day with Drake white, speaking of Drake and leaf loft and those guys. And, um, because of you, I went to a Drake White show, uh, sat on the bus with Drake, and had a really cool conversation about hunting and conservation. We talked about waterfowl. I had just gotten back uh, from you know a few months prior from a, a archery elk hunt that I did with Will Primos in New Mexico, which was just literally the trip of a lifetime. And we, and we just had this super conversation, and he was talking about his passion for hunting and conservation. And as I was walking out of that bus, I told him, I said, more people need to hear these conversations. And he agreed. And, th- and I think that was exactly when I committed to pulling this thing together. So we kind of pulled it together in April and May. Uh, we, re- we went out to Nashville. Uh, Mary and I did. And my wife, Kristen, was there. And uh, we recorded the first five or six interviews and we did it in kind of a loud room at uh, CMA Fest, uh, came back, recorded a handful more. And essentially, we did, we did 10 in that first season in 2019 to prove the concept. And we had Tyler Farr, Dylan Scott, Jordan Davis, Drake White. Um, we did Nate and Randy from Headhunters because we wanted to tie into Outdoor Channel. We did Nick Hoffman because he's a, he's a musician, but he's also a host on Outdoor Channel. and. Um, and we did Craig Campbell. So, I mean, these are some pretty cool names that we were able to attract. You know, they, all, they were all willing to sit down for, you know, half an hour to an hour and share some stories. And we gave them a good environment to talk about it, safe environment, talk about their hunting or fishing experience, and, uh, and had a lot of fun doing it. So, uh, so then we committed to uh, season two, and last fall, went and spent uh, five days in Nashville and recorded the first 12 episodes of the second season, which is airing now. Um, you know, and again, got, you know, Easton Corbin, uh, Megan Patrick, uh, got some up and comers. We did John Langston, um, and, and a handful of others. So some really, really cool, um, 
some really cool folks. We got Ray Fulcher, um, uh, Jordan Rowe, so some young and up and comers. You know, and now we're looking at doing some whales. You know, we got Mitchell Tenpenny on deck. Craig Morgan has committed to doing it. As you know, scheduling the, these guys can be a challenge. Um, you know, so that's the idea is we're going to continue to reach out, do interviews with these guys and these gals, and, um, um, you know, see where it goes. And where does it stand right now? Are you, are you done recording season two? No. You know, we're, um, we've, we've got 12 interviews in the can. I think we've probably released. We're doing one a week right now while we can. And, um, um, you know, one of the things you taught me in podcasting that I think is, is, uh, is spot on. Um, it's hard to do a really good interview of substance with someone who's on a telephone, right? Like even today, we've had to adjust to this new reality, but we're using Zoom video so that you can at least, I can see when you're picking your teeth or picking your nose or doing whatever, right? right. So you, you, ha- you can read somebody's body language. And so, you know, we wanted to do all of these face-to-face, which is why we were committed to. And, and Mary at the time was living in Nashville, but then she, she moved to Springfield uh, with Bass Pro for a stint, but she's on her way back to Nashville. So the idea is Mary and I will do interviews together in person when we can. Uh, we can do individual interviews. Like I, I did an interview, my Nate and, uh, Nate and Randy interview with headhunters was, uh, one on just me and those two. And, um, I was able to interview Red Akins on my own last year, which was pretty intense Ooh, he's and, awesome. and a lot of fun. He was awesome. He, you know, in, in many respects, he was easy because he is, he's so passionate about our space, about hunting and music. And we have a lot of good friends in common. And so that was fun. Why do you describe it as intense? He's, a, I mean, he's, he's, it's just, I mean, intense in terms of his passion for oh, the music you. and for hunting. So do yeah, these invites to get on the show, when you ask Red Akins or Nate and Birdsong, do they come in the mail? Is there a chance that some of them have been lost in the mail? <laughs> just, just uh, Tom told me to ask you that. He just texted me and said he's listening to this from his system. So is do they get lost sometimes? Is Mary responsible for that? What kind of person is Mary um, is she responsible? Is she a good host? Is she's fantastic. Yeah. She's what's she's her husband's really name? Yeah. Zach. Zach. Okay. Yeah. Zach. Yeah. Zach. They've, they've done a really cool thing. Um, they're doing a Turkey tour right now and kind of dodging the pandemic and, and really we're kind of slowing it down because you know, it's, we don't want to be throwing something in people's faces, but they're able to be kind of isolated and safe and remote. Now they're going to be in Kansas and, in South Dakota and, and Wyoming possibly depending on if they can do that. But, uh, you know, they're doing a country. What do you mean throwing in people's tour. face? Oh, you know, Right now, there's a lot of people suffering, but there's also a lot of people looking for the entertainment we're providing as a as a relief. So, like, we don't want to be too bold and aggressive to say, look, Zach and Mary are out turkey hunting and throwing content up online. It's more of, let's be respectful, and they are respectful of what's happening. But but I think the reality is, you know, if, if, the, death, if the death toll mounts, you know, we really want to be... Um, respectful of what we're dealing with in this country and not be, you know, oblivious to, to that or give the impression that we're oblivious because we are 100% not oblivious to that. So you're saying that potentially there's a couple different ways that you could come off the wrong way. Number one is 
well, look at us, we're out hunting and we're, you can't do this because you're out of a job and you can't afford to do this. Number two could be, we're not listening to anybody of staying home. We're out doing this. So how do you defend that as a corporation or as a company to say, no, yeah. we, we're, we know we should stay at home. And yes, we know that a lot of people are out of work. I, I think it's great that people can still go. My take on it is if you can still enjoy the outdoors, then go enjoy, enjoy the outdoors because that, that is the right. best therapy that Mary and her husband, Zach, or people that nobody knows how much stress Mary and Zach might be under. They might have parents that are quarantined or ill. They might have friends. Sure. They, oh, yeah, they, well, they could be using yeah. this as therapy. And I think it's nice that people right. get to ride along with them as long as you know you do what you say and you show respect for the people that are out there. But people right. have to say, look, we know that we're told to stay home. Going out your back door and getting into the turkey woods that is staying home. You know, that's not, right. we're not being in a big group of six people. My back's up against a tree. I have my husband with me and that's it. So right. I don't think that you no, can look at that so, in a right. negative, right? Right. That, that, so a couple of things. One is um, they were isolated where they've been hunting in Georgia and in Florida, you know, on, on big properties with small groups and being mindful and respectful of that. Uh, the state of Georgia, actually, the DNR came out and interviewed them because they wanted and they're going to promote uh, the, their turkey tour to show them that, you know, it's okay to be in the outdoors in this time, but respect the distancing and just be safe. So, um, so, and they're actually going to uh, write, the DNR is writing an article about it to show what they're, the measures they're taking to be safe. So you're right. I, I think the idea is they are, they really were trying to provide an escape and it's not so much, it's not a traditional hunting show. The idea is, you know, they're showing a lot of, we're giving people a camp experience remotely if they, because most of these people can't get Where out can there, we find right. these episodes? Right now, they're just on uh, Outdoor Channel Facebook. No, they're not on MoTV. Not yet. I think we'll put them up on MoTV. Will you text Mary and Zach and tell them to do a uh, turkey recipe that's not fried? They did it last week. Oh, they did? I didn't see it. Yeah. um, If so, I think the week two, week two of the turkey tour, uh, they did might have even been week one, I thought, but I think it was week two. Um, in fact, I think the recipe is up on countryoutdoors.com. You can find it there. They did uh, turkey poppers. And, you know, pretty simple. I, I, I've never done it, but uh, the recipe they used was essentially they just taken turkey breast, fresh turkey breast. They were slicing it into, you know, chunks. They were wrapping it in bacon and grilling it. Putting They put a little bit of cayenne pepper and brown sugar and then grilling it. And then I think their secret was, so they're rolling it essentially, it's not fried, but the rolling the bacon in the cayenne pepper and the brown sugar, and then right before they pull it off the grill, they put just a little dab of honey on them. And that was their, um, that's their wild turkey recipe. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, look at, I should, we should all send you some pictures because uh, it's actually making me kind of hungry. Um, so they will do, will absolutely send you that. Yeah, I would like to see that. I'm always game. So let's get back to the invite thing because oh, I just went like right you, over it. No, I'm, I'm you could fine. be. I mean, you could be. A, you could be Minnesotan. You're so passive aggressive sometimes. That that wasn't passive aggressive. Um, that was just an in your face. Like I'll keep the relationship and friendship going. I'll put all the effort forth. It's no problem at all. I completely. We were planning to have you come to. I don't know if I'm supposed to look at something. it as an insult or not. No, Randy I, and Nate, would, those guys are good dudes, but they're way less interesting than me. 
I mean, I want uh, you to tell I, I mean, you don't think so? Um, you know, maybe in some respects. Name one interesting thing about Randy Birdsong. His brother <laughs> is a professional baseball you know, player. A professional baseball player. Have you ever seen and is a and is a good kid. Have you ever yeah, seen I a picture it. of Randy's man cave? I have not. Good. For, uh, text him and ask him to text you a picture of his. I'll, I'm going to text him right now. But I, let's do a little. Let's do a little Chad Belding segment here. Top ten things we like about um, Randy Birdsong, because you know Nate has a crooner voice and he's a musician, so he's got doesn't that going. Cuss, from, doesn't cuss. Oh, doesn't drink. Doesn't party. Exactly. Doesn't do yeah. it. And he's got you know he's got you know beautiful fun little kid that you know little boy is raising, and, and so Randy, you know, you know Randy. He doesn't have that musical ability, um, although I think he's working on it. But uh, I, you know, Randy is a trapper. Yeah, he's a stud trapper. He's a stud. I trapper. like a lot of things about and, Randy. I think he's a. Can I? I think he's a stud. He's a loves waterfowl hunting. He's a stud turkey. Him and Nate. I told him. Yeah. I said I need to get in the turkey woods with you guys. So there's two things I like me about too. Randy. I had planned it this year so, and it was canceled. Well, I, I, um, they told me to come out. They didn't give me specifics, which is probably one of those things in like what you're doing with the podcast. Like, sure, we'll have you on. The non-invite invite. invite. Yeah, the non-invite invite. But so there's two things I like about Randy is, first of all, he's a great dude. He's nice. He loves baseball, which I love. He loves predator control. There's three. He's a great turkey hunter and deer hunter. I'm going to put those together. That's four. He has I the same. He has the same taste in music as we do. I love how he supports Nashville and artists. I love the biggest thing that I love about Randy Birdsong for sure above all else is what he does for St. Jude's, his yeah. his dinner and his event that he does in Missouri. The um, the money they raise for St. Jude's Children Research Hospital and Research Center. Um, that's probably the best thing about Randy is that he's always giving back. Nate gives back. I think they're a great team. I think Headhunters is a, is a great show. I, I love a lot of their content. But I think just knowing those guys and what friendship means to those two is what I like most about them. Like after our we, I threw that little gathering in Nashville this year at NWTF, and Brent Cobb played it, and Waddell and Hosey and Birdsong, and they all came to it. It was the night after Randy and Nate's party, and yeah. I, Waddell and Nate and I got a picture together. We all just posed together and then I texted it to Nate and man, he sent me back a text saying, dude, you have no idea what the friendship means to me. And that's what I like about yeah. people is when people take friendships seriously and they don't take them for granted. And I don't see Nate Hosey that much. I see him at shot. I see him at NWTF. I see him at NRA. And if yeah. hopefully I get to get in the woods with him, but we stay in touch and we have a lot of respect for each other. Same with Birdsong. So I think that's what I like most about those guys is they have the heart of a hunter. Waddell that night, we, we are, we, all the money that we raised 100% of the ticket sales that we raised that night. And it was like, uh, $6,000, $6,700, 6,700 bucks. We get, yeah. <clears throat> we get up and we bring the owner of special ops excursions up on stage his name's Scott Graves from Tennessee, and we present him with this money, and it was all cash that we had raised that night and that day selling the, the laminates. Wad, yeah. Waddell gets up there with me, says, Bone Collector's going to put another $1,500 on top of that for our for our Warriors. Nice. And the place went nuts, and he didn't do it to get the applause because right. what I always say about Waddell, and you could hear it in the podcast with him, is that he don't need it anymore. He's had enough of it. He enjoys the lifestyle. He loves right. hunting. 
He loves family. He has, he had self-admittingly makes, made some mistakes, which we all have, but he didn't get up there to do it for that. He could have got up there and said, we're going to give another $500 and people would have said the same reaction. He did $1,500 in the heart of the hunter. I was like, how freaking awesome is that? He didn't have to get up there and give a dime. He had already bought his laminates. He paid cash for them just like everybody else did. I didn't give away a bunch of laminates this year is my point. I charged everybody yeah. the same amount right. to come yeah, in. Absolutely. Not right. And every bit of that money went to special ops excursions. And when I see that guys like Birdsong, I, I can name at least 50 of them off the top of my head right now that are on your network that do that consistently are always right. like, what can I do? What can I give? You bet your ass I can right. help out. I call T-Bone Turner. Can you do this? Done. The, the, it's like yeah. that. It's like this underlying thread that goes through all of our skin that keeps us all tied together. There's a consistent theme there and messaging of the heart of a hunter. It truly is yeah. a big part of this lifestyle. And that's what yeah. I love about those guys. I, that's all you really need to say about Birdsong is that dinner he throws and how much passion and effort he has for kids and his family in St. Jude's and being a philanthropist that that's enough said right there. He doesn't do it. He doesn't do it for his TV show. He doesn't do it for the social media fame. He does it because he loves to give back period. All right. He's a, he's a good guy that I really appreciate. He's level headed, you know, because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, come off as a savvy business guy but he really is oh yeah he's a, he's made some good business decisions and um and we've had stressful times in the business and and when we're dealing with those he's pretty level-headed which is which is nice unlike some of my other producers Nate, but uh, like like who nick hoffman i could see him like, being that way like bad shelding who shim jockey bad, bad shim shim jockey no jim jim's pretty easy to do i like with. jim yeah. Do you like Eva? I, I, is Eva? Do you, yeah. I like Eva. She's a sweetheart. She really is. I've, I've, I enjoy her and, um, I, I like that, but I wanted to go back to the non-invite invite. Oh, we were past that. The, the answer is no. no. Here, no the answer is no. what we're going to do. Tell, tell Mary, I'm sorry. I can't, I'm busy that day. I, I think she's not, in, I'm not going to invite her to this invite to this. Oh, interview. it's going to be you and I, Leith. Me, you and Leith, because, uh, a couple of things. One is, you know, during this, uh, downturn and, and whatever you want to call it, pandemic. You and I both have a lot of friends in the country music space. You have a lot more than I do. Uh, it's it's really hard sometimes to see, you know, even like the most successful, you know, artists who have songs, who have top tens, who are touring, who are headlining. You know, right now, a lot of their their major moneymaker is, is sidelined. So, um, and, you know, Drake White, who you introduced me to last year, has been doing this weekly show on Wednesday. And, and he's become, with some of your guidance, he's become my favorite country music guy. Leith is coming in as a close second because I just, I love, I love their, just the, the, you've taught me to appreciate the lyrics and the songwriting and, uh, but also like the soulfulness in their music. So those two guys did a live show last Wednesday. It's still available up on Drake White's Facebook. If you didn't see it, check it out it was because awesome. it is so good. They've written so and many Leith, good songs together. Yeah, and Leith is so good. So I, and now that uh, it's going to be a while before we can travel, what I want to do is resolve my technical issues with the Zoom video and then have you and me and Leith 
do a country outdoors podcast. You should get Drake that on there too. Be, Drake's doing this podcast next Friday. Leith, Leith and him yeah. are both not together, but they're both doing it Friday. Brent Cobb's doing it next week. You should do, yeah. you should get Drake on that too. So we could talk about I, the foundation of, of our relationship in the outdoors and how both of them have been on the outdoor channel, the sportsman's channel, their music's been heard for right. years on there. They've been on their hunting and it's opened a lot of doors for them. I mean, they have relationships with a lot of different hunting companies now. They go on a lot of hunts all over the country. Leaf flies out and plays the shot show for several, you know, manufacturers every year. Drake is always going and doing private corporate events for hunting magazine, you know, hunting manufacturers and audiences. So, yeah, th- let yeah. me know when that is. And if the if the if the I'm sure I'll turn it on and see you with Leaf and Drake, and then my invitation will get lost again. But <laughs> we had uh, we had Drake in season one, and he was really good he um and he was intent right intense in the you know just because that's his personality he doesn't uh, kind of half-ass anything right he seems to be fully engaged and it was one of the comments he made in his interview was really cool and kind of uh stays with me is he was talking about being at was it max perry prairie wings or just being in arkansas and i'm pretty sure he was with you when he did this and like they have an observation tower where, where is that? It's an outfitter. No, it's not Max Perry. There's an outfitter that has like a waterfall observation tower. And you go up there and you watch. And he was like, you know, you're watching and you're seeing how the waterfowl are reacting. And you're, and you're essentially, you know, using that intel to adjust your plan on your hunt to maximize your success. And, and he tied that right into songwriting saying, you know, same deal. He goes, you know, you watch and you listen and you learn and you use that in knowledge to write a song that connects with your audience. It was, it was, it was a pretty cool interview. It was really, really yeah, I like how, how, I like how, how, how in touch Drake and Leith are and they're different too. Their, their in touchness and their intimacy with the outdoors is on a mm-hmm. completely different spectrum. It's not on a different yeah. level. Nobody's higher than the other, but Drake is, is a lot different than Leith. And then you have Brent Cobb, who all three of those guys came up together for Nashville. I don't know if you listened to Brett on his episode here, but he, his songwriting skills are, are different than both of theirs, but so good. And then his intimacy with the outdoors is completely different than theirs. Like he called me yesterday and I'm not making this up. He called me yesterday, said, bud, I am wearing them out. I go, wearing what out? I was thinking he was going to say turkeys. He goes, I've been, I've been, I've been catching bluegills in my pond in the backyard for the last two days. I got 35 ready for this grease. And I'm like, think about how cool that is. That's what it's all about during this quarantine, him and his boys out there or his family. And he's catching this, a tiny fish and loving every bit of it and do and using his grandma's recipe on it. So when I hear Drake talk about that, when I hear Leith and Brent, and then they can go and put it into words and, li- and right. listen to the so- the way they write those songs. That's what turns me right. on about their songwriting as opposed to a lot of the stuff you hear in country radio, which we don't even, that's a whole sure. other discussion. Yeah. I just, I just have the, I just have a lot of admiration for it because it touches me. I listen to it and I'm like, what he just said touches me. If you listen to Drake out, Al- Drake White's album spark, I, I've oh, gone, dude, on, I've, I've, I've gone on record as saying this It is my favorite country music album of all time. Song to song is Jamie Johnson, lonesome song. And then okay. I started saying that about traveler, Chris Stapleton, which it's right there. It's a stud album, but then Drake put spark out and I'm like, damn song to song. You can't beat that. 
But if you take that album and you take Take It On Water, Leith's new album, and you take Shine On Rainy Day and Providence Canyon, both of Brent's main albums, he's got a new one coming out. I'm telling you, listen to the the song. Listen to the song Shine On Rainy Day and then apply it to what's going on in America right now and how we're all praying right. to God right now, finally. And then listen to listen to his new song he just re- released, um, The World Ending, and the world's going to end. Anyway, I'm glad that you see that in Drake's music and his songwriting and Lee's lyrics because the first time I ever heard those guys was in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, in a thunderstorm raining, I walk into Turkey camp and I'm getting all my gear set down. And this is the first time I'd ever been at this camp. It was put on by this guy named Sam Natten and our, and our mutual friend, Clark Dixon. And I walk in, I hear this guy jamming in the back deck, covered deck and it's raining and and thundering and lightning. And he's singing 50 years too late. And him and Leith and Drake wrote that song together. And this is 10 years. This is 10 years ago. I think they wrote it like 13 years ago. And I listened to it. I'm like, God oh, dang. I, and that's how it started. I, walk, I, I, right. I befriended him. We started talking. I'm like, man, I got this TV show. He goes, Hosh, you could use that song if you want. Right. And boom. Yeah, and, you, and they played it last Wednesday. And they played it last Wednesday. And they played And it was, it was as good as, as it was 10 years ago. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's probably Maybe more relevant better. right now than ever. It's just, yeah. it's just awesome to, to see their... That's what drives me nuts is that that just like what you said, that story, that, that conversation that you and Drake had on his bus, that yeah. that needs to be heard by the masses. Their music needs to be, we're hearing stuff that it's uh, whatever it is, what it is, right? Like Brent Cobb says, country music's going to do what country music's going to do, but the world right. needs to hear this songwriting and, and the way these guys deliver songs. But I think it's cool. So, so I should be getting an email invite some pretty soon. I should let Tom and Clay know that there might be an invite coming through the system that, that is inviting me to be on a podcast with Leith and you maybe Drake It'll probably come by group text to you and Leith directly. So yes, let's do it next week. I think it'll be a great conversation and, and it will be, it'll be a lot of fun. Night we'll, we'll time time is so. better for me next week. I'm absolutely teetotaling booked up like next week with conference calls and meetings and podcasts and content. I'm not just saying that if All we right. can do it, this time right now, a week from Monday would, would be awesome for me, but send the text and we'll figure it out. This is some compelling interview uh, for your listeners right now, listening to us work through your, your nightmarish schedule. Well, I want everybody, okay, I want everybody we'll, to know that I'm, I'm, I'm working for, I'm working for you. I'm really, I'm, 24/7, I'm really trying no, to I think it'll be a lot of fun. So check it out. Leith Lofton and, uh, Bad Chelding on the Country Outdoors podcast. I think we will probably launch that one in uh, early May then. Early May. Yeah. I'll be ready to... Uh, we were supposed to have Cody Johnson on. Um, we're supposed to record that interview on the 26th of April. And at this point, it, uh, I doubt we're going to be in turkey camp together. As I like Cody. Kojo. Yeah. My favorite guy that you named besides Drake and who you've got... To, and I like Megan Patrick. She has a he- she heck awesome. of a voice. She's a cool chick. Probably, it was one of the best interviews we've ever done. She, she dips so Copenhagen. Did she dip during the interview? Uh, it was at nine o'clock in the morning and she, I don't think she did. Was actually. she hung we over? talked about it though. No, but she's she didn't date, have makeup she's on and she talked Kim about Penny, it. right? Yep, she is. Yep. They're having a lot of fun. They're fun to watch on Instagram because they're, as they're uh, uh, trying to survive this uh, show. Is she in here. Nashville right now or in Canada? I think they're in Nashville. I like her. Um, I, I like Tyler Farr. Tyler's my boy. If you can yeah. understand what he says, if you can give uh, just a bit, he, uh, yeah. I love, I like a lot of his songs, but 
All right. So I saw Tyler. Um, You've said it all, Mitch. You've said it all, like Howard Stern would say. Hey, now. I saw Tyler, though, in February, and um, he wasn't drinking. And I don't think he's drinking. And, uh, you know, God bless him. And, and uh, I, I hope that um, that is still the case because when you talk, you know, he was, he was, you know, he's a sharp, he's a young guy, you know, and it was his music that night that we heard him was so good. And, um, and he just, he really looked healthy and, uh, and that's, that's good. So, I love it. Good uh, for him. And I know he's part of Buck Commander now, and I know that yeah. he's part of the Aldine uh, Night Train Records. That's a, yeah. that's part of Broken Bow. And, Broken Bow, and right. I think that, um, he's on a new track. I mean that what he had like four or five number ones in a row, redneck crazy and man walks right. a guy walks into a bar and a bunch of songs. And then, you know, country music does what country music does and it's going to keep doing it. And he's fighting his way right. back and he's, he's got a good mindset. He's got the right mindset. I got to sit down with him for two hours and, and then I got to go watch him that night play too. And I, I like, I like his approach. I like his message. He's a good dude. So Tyler Farr, yeah. if you're listening, keep getting us new music. Congratulations Absolutely. on your new single, The Only Truck in Town. This has been an episode of This Life Ain't for Everybody with Mitch Petrie. Thank you, Mitch. I'll be looking for my invite. We'll do this again. This was just a casual conversation. We're not trying to solve the world's problems, but y'all go listen to the Country Outdoors podcast. Check them out at countryoutdoors.com. You can find them on outdoorchannel.com. Look for a lot of the producers and content at My Outdoor TV, Mo TV. You can get a free 30-day trial right now. I highly recommend getting a subscription because it's thousands and thousands hours of content of hunting fishing conservation and outdoors right at your fingertips on mo tv my outdoor tv an affiliate of the outdoor sportsman's group outdoor channel sportsman's channel world fishing network just just go on and you know just support all of the producers that are on the network and and get your content there it's it's an it's an awesome culture to be a part of an awesome lifestyle thank you mitch for what y'all do at outdoor channel and we will have an episode of mitch coming up on the foul life to get down in the weeds about his passion for hunting a little bit more in depth on the network and what's going on there and what you all can look forward to it's coming out of the network doors um, as we get deeper and deeper into the coronavirus the the pandemic and 2020 good luck to everybody out there stay safe stay healthy stay home mitch any closing words oh, i just appreciate you guys having me on it's it was a little bit therapeutic i think just to be able to talk about something and you know think about a lot of the good things we've got going on chad we love you at the network we appreciate your passion and appreciate that you're still grinding and uh looking forward to our next set of interviews can't wait i will text you about foul life episode we'll get another episode of this life ain't for everybody i look forward to being on country outdoors with you and leith lofton aka Haas. get his new album right now taken on water you can find drake white on instagram at drake white stomp at leith lofton at brent underscore brent cobb i believe it is or brent underscore cobb if you want to look up some of these musicians we're talking about also go check out adam hood i can keep naming them there's so much good music out of nashville guys and that we don't hear of in music um, thank god for guys like shooter jennings and outlaw country that keep bringing us great artists um that's it that's it tom hit that button this song that you're going to hear going out of here is actually the same one you hear on every episode leith lofton what you going to do when the money's all gone which he wrote with drake white thank you all very much i'd rather be poor living off in a hole than rich as hell without
without a soul Life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do when the money's all gone Say life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do when the money's all gone